Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Well, good morning, Downtown Hope. Um, it is good to be with you again and to, and to open up the Word of God together again with you. Um, as you know, we are continuing in our series in the book of Philippians today, the series where we've been encouraged to press on, right? Even, even in the midst of, of uncertainty and, and hardship in our lives, to press on, to keep going, to press on towards the upward call of Christ, if you're able to, to be at the service last week, you heard Pat begin to share with us from Philippians chapter 4, 1 to 7 about anxiety and, and joy and how to have joy in, in the midst of anxiety. And the question that we, that we seem to be faced with both in our passage last week and, and continuing on into our passage this week is simply, what do I do with my anxiety? Which Right, it's a timely question. It, it makes sense to be asking that question today because there's a lot of things in our world today to be, well, to be anxious about. And so I just want to begin, though, by giving us one point of, of clarity on anxiety, maybe a, a point of encouragement about anxiety, and it's simply this, that anxiety is not a sin. Anxiety is an attack. So hear me, anxiety is not a sin, anxiety is an attack. It's similar to to temptation in this way, right? Temptation's not a sin, but it might lead us to sin. In the same way, anxiety's not a sin, though it might lead us to sin. They're both attacks of Satan trying to get us to sin. So if we were to to tell someone that they needed to repent of anxiety, that's, that's not helpful, right? It actually probably results in even increased anxiety in their life. Rather, we need to see this as an attack of Satan. Let me just tell you one of the, the clearest ways that I know that anxiety is an attack and not a sin, and it's that anxiety is never pleasurable, but sin is. Right? If sin were not pleasurable, we wouldn't participate in it, right? But, but anxiety is never pleasurable. It's, it's haunting. It's, it's crippling. It's, it's overwhelming. It's, it's exhausting. When it runs its full course in our lives, it's completely debilitating to us, but it's never pleasurable. And, and many of those same things could be said about sin as well, but sin begins from a place of, of enticement, from a place of, of pleasure. It, it empowers us, and then it turns on us. So just to be clear, anxiety can lead us to all sorts of sins. It leads us to sin mostly because in the midst of the oppression that we find from it, we often turn to things that seem like they will bring us pleasure and and control, and, and those things are often sin, but anxiety itself is not sin. So what we're trying to, to figure out last week in, in our text and this week and as we continue in this passage is not how do I repent of the sin of anxiety, but how do I guard against the attack of anxiety? And those are two very different things to consider. And so we want to think today to how to be fortified in our defense against the attacks of Anxiety. How do we join God in building a wall of peace 
to guard us against anxiety. So with that question in mind, I want to read from Philippians chapter 4 this morning. I'm actually going to start in verse 6, which we read and talked about last week, but I'm going to keep reading all the way through our passage for this week, ending in verse 9. So listen to God's word from Philippians 4, starting in verse 6. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So how do I fortify myself against anxiety? How do I join God in building up this, this wall of peace to guard me against anxiety? Well, our passage points to three things, one of which we talked about last week, and then the other two that we're going to focus on today. And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, it's kind of awkward for me to, to say this and to do this. I don't normally do this, but today all of, all of my points are going to begin with the letter P. And so I'll, you'll have to forgive um, the, the preacher speak in that. It just fit the text. But our first point is this. How do I, how do I build up a wall of, of peace to guard against anxiety? Well, the first one is, is pray. Right? And like I said, we, we talked about this last week, but I just wanted to remind us of the, the first thing that our passage says that we need to do to fortify against anxiety in our life is, is pray. Right? Because when we, when we pray, what we're doing is we're taking our eyes off of the situation and we're beginning to look to the Lord over the situation. When we, when we pray, we're re- reminding ourselves of the power of God over our circumstances. We're declaring, as, as my friend Mel reminds me often, that God's love is bigger than all of my fears. And so, and so maybe you've tried that, right? Maybe, maybe you heard last week's message and you thought to yourself, yeah, I could, I could do that. I, I could start praying when I feel anxious, like, like really praying, like, like hard, right? And then, and then when I do that, right, I'm going to be guarded by peace, right? That's what the text said. And, and maybe... Maybe that worked for you, but, but maybe it didn't. And, and if you're anything like me, you probably felt a little bit better for a little while. But if I were to be honest, I wouldn't say that I felt like I was being guarded by the peace of God. Rather, I would say that I felt like an attack had been sort of momentarily warded off only to raise its ugly head later. Right, but what the promise seems to be that I'm going to be fortified against anxiety, not just momentarily relieved of anxiety. And I think the problem that we have is that we often stop short in this passage because we stop there at verse 7 with prayer. And so today I want us to sort of open it up and look at verses 8 and 9 and consider these next two Ps. 
How do I build a wall of peace in my life? Well, I pray, but then verse 8 tells me that I need, I need to ponder. That is, I need to think deeply and, and consistently about the things of God. Right, right, so look again at verse 8. Here's what it says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things, right? Think on these things. But that word, that word think, is a little bit of a, of a weak translation. The word means to, well, it means to ponder. It means to, to dwell on. It means to fix my mind continually on these things, to, to look at them and to, and to evaluate every aspect of them, to, to ponder or to, to meditate on them. Right, but, but maybe better than us unpacking sort of the process of pondering, I think we'd be better served to see the sorts of things that we're supposed to ponder. It says things that are, that are true and honorable and, and just and pure and, and lovely and, and commendable and, and excellent and, and praiseworthy. In other, thing, in other words, the things of God and, and his kingdom, right? The things of, of Jesus and, and his life and his death and his resurrection, the things of, of the spirit of God and his calling and his work in our lives. And, and do you see how that's so much bigger? That's such a bigger thing than just, than just praying about something when I encounter anxiety in my life, right? But when I, when I stop at verse seven, I think all I need to do is just sort of toss up a, a prayer when I face anxiety. But when I do that, I might be heard by God, right, but I'm not defended. Instead, I want to build a wall of peace. And in order to do that, I've got to pray to God, but I also ponder the things of God. I, I recently, um, I got a new phone, and I was, I was exploring the, the features on, on my new phone, and I found out that this new phone will allow me to set up a, a bedtime and wake-up routine, I thought, well, that seems, that seems pretty interesting. I mean, I, I need more routine in my life. This is probably a good thing for me. So I was, I was intrigued by it. So I looked at it a little bit more, and this is what I found. My phone will let me set up a, a standard time uh, to go to bed every night, and then a, and then a standard time that's going to wake me up every morning, and, and the alarm goes off, and then after the alarm, when I turn off the alarm, here's what it'll do. My phone will read me the weather, It'll read me everything that's on my calendar for the day. It'll remind me of the reminders in my phone. And then it will read me a recent article about the coronavirus and a 2020 U.S. election news article. Let me just, let me just tell you, if before I got out of bed, my phone did all of that, if as soon as it woke me up, I would be so overwhelmed with anxiety, I wouldn't even be able to get out of bed in the morning. So needless to say, I'm not using the features of, of my new phone, but it got me thinking about what am I spending my time pondering, right? Because whether I let my phone read it to me or not, I'm reading those articles far too often, and, and I am checking for updates far too 
often, and I am worrying about my meetings far too often, and I'm allowing my mind to sort of run wild with speculation one way or the other, and the end result in all of that pondering and speculation is just an overwhelming anxiety. Maybe you find this to be true in, in your own life as well. I think for many of us that we have built an environment for anxiety to thrive in our lives. And then we, we just sort of throw a prayer up every now and then, or maybe even frequently. But our minds are fixed on all of the things that we're worried about. And, and into that anxious space, Scripture says, think on true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy things. And and it doesn't just say it here in Philippians. No, no, listen to Colossians 3. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Or or Hebrews chapter 12, it says, lay aside every weight and the sin that that clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the, the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The call here is for us to let our minds wander through the wonders of Christ and his work and his kingdom and his glory and his calling on our lives over and over and over again in scripture. We're told to seek after Christ, to abide in Christ, to think on Christ, to ponder the things of Christ. This is the path to true and lasting peace. This is how we build a wall of peace in our lives to fortify us against anxiety. But let me get, let me get super practical for a moment. And I want to I invite you um, to try something with me. This is a, a practice that I have had in my life previously that I'm, I'm re-instituting in my life. And I'd, I'd invite you to try this with me. So I don't I don't sleep in the same room as, as my phone. Um, and so I, I have a, they don't, I don't know if they have, them, it's called an alarm clock. And uh, you set the alarm and then it goes, it's like your phone, you'll figure it out. So I have an alarm clock and that goes off in the morning. And here's the practice. Here's the practice I would encourage you to, or invite you to try it with me. For the first two hours of the day, I don't look at my phone or watch TV or listen to the radio. For those two hours, as I get ready for the day, I'm silently listening to the voice of God. And, and I don't mean to say that I'm, that I'm just spending two hours reading my Bible and praying. I do spend some of that time in scripture and prayer, but I also, you know, I shower, I get dressed, I make and eat breakfast. I, I get ready for the day, but I do so without checking my email or my text, without reading the news or checking in on social media, I just hang out with God for a couple of hours to start my day. And I find that when that becomes a practice in my life, I am regularly at more peace throughout my day. Now, 
Of course, the rest of the day matters as well, but it's a good start. It often sets us on a, on a trajectory for the rest of the day. So I invite you to, to try this with me. But whether you join me in this practice or not, I challenge you to consider what you're pondering throughout the day and how you could spend more time looking at Christ and his kingdom. And one, of my, one of my favorite hymns just simply says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If we're going to be fortified against anxiety in our lives, we can't wait for anxiety to come in order that we can pray about it. We have to build up a wall of peace to defend us. And to do that, we, we pray to God, we, we ponder the things of God, and then thirdly, we practice the ways of God. And th- this is the way our passage puts it when Paul continues in verse 9. He says this, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Paul says, if you want to build a wall of peace in your life, look at my example and practice these things. These things that you've learned and received and heard and seen in me. Now, just, I just want to clarify this verse, though, because that word at the beginning, that word translated what, like what, if, what you have learned, it, I think that the translators are trying to make it a little bit more readable. That word is actually these things. It's these things you have learned. So really, what the verse actually says is these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. So that these things that he's talking about is all the stuff he talked about the verse before. All the things in verse 8, that is the things that are, you know, true and, and lovely and, and, and just and, and pure and excellent. Those things. Go back and do those things. Don't just think about them. Do them. Don't just ponder the things of God, but practice the things of God. And he's letting us know that, that he's trying to practice these things too. So we're not supposed to do everything that Paul does. But when we see true and honorable and just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy things in his life, we should do them. It's the same thing he's communicating in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, when he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. In other words, don't do everything that I do, but when you see me imitating Christ imitate me. And so often we we take Paul and we sort of put him on a pedestal like he's got it all together. He doesn't. He gets anxious too. He sins too. But in as much as Paul is pondering the things of God and practicing the ways of God, we ought to imitate him. And and not just him, but, but each other as well. Anyone who is practicing the ways of God should be an example to us. And, and so in this, we, we all become examples. It's why we need one another so we can peer into each other's lives and see the ways in which other people are practicing the ways of Christ and say, that's the thing that I'm gonna imitate in my own life. And meanwhile, they're looking at you and they're saying, that's the thing that I'm gonna imitate in my life. And in this, we all begin to do the ways of Christ, to practice the ways of Christ. That's the point, right? 
It's not, it's not who we're looking at, it's that we're practicing the ways of God. And all of us serve as examples of how to do that. So how do I begin, though? How do I begin to practice the ways of God in my life? Well, we could walk back through that sort of list of, of adjectives in verse, in verse 7, right? But, or verse 8, but maybe we could, we could sum it up a little bit easier this way, and that is to say that the way of God is to sacrificially love and serve others, even my enemies, and especially those in distress. So if I'm practicing the ways of God, I am constantly looking for opportunities to sacrificially love and serve others, even if I disagree with them, and especially if they're facing difficulty. And, and I would challenge you to think, think really specifically and, and personally about how to do this. Try to get as close to home in your love as possible. Try to get as, as close as possible to the people that you're serving. Or what, what I mean is this, so often when we're challenged to sort of love and, and serve other people, we immediately go to, to making a donation or, or sort of, you know, writing a check and, and those are good things. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I'm not saying you shouldn't donate art supplies. Donate art supplies. But, but there are other ways for us to begin to love and serve people. And honestly, most often, the people that we're called to love and serve are the people who are nearest to us. And we so often look at the easy way to donate out there, and we overlook people in our own family we overlook people that, that work with us in the same space, right? But the people who are nearest to us are the ones that honestly require the most sacrifice because we feel it the most. And I had a friend recently tell me that he realized that, that nobody at his work liked to clean the break room or to make the coffee. So he just started doing it. He just started doing it as sort of this practical act of love to his coworkers, Right? It may seem super small, but it's personal and it's sacrificial and it's loving to those who are in his immediate environment. And I wonder what, that, what does that look like for you, right? What, in what ways can you practice the love and service of God to those who are in your immediate environment, to those who you're perhaps prone to disagree with? How can you practice love and service sacrificially in those places. When you practice the ways of God and, and you begin to ponder the things of God and you begin to pray to God, then you will be defended by the peace of God. And, and these three things, they begin to work together in our life in this really remarkable way because as you ponder the things of God, he's gonna open your eyes up to see new glories that you've never known before and that's gonna prompt you to pray prayers of thanksgiving and praise that you never would have thought of before and he's gonna open your eyes up to see people that are in need that you can love and serve that you wouldn't have seen before and as you do that, as you begin to practice the ways of God by, by serving those people, he's to show you aspects of himself in the people that you're serving that's going to cause you to, to ponder more and to pray more and to praise God more and this will become just this wall of peace and will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's, that's the promise and that, that's our fourth P, the promise of God, his peace 
When, when we pray to God and ponder the things of God and practice the ways of God, we are promised the peace of God. It actually says it twice in this passage. Um, once in verse 7 where it says, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then, and then again at the end of verse 9 it says, the God of peace will be with you. The peace of God will guard you because the God of peace will be with you. Right? In other words, if I want to experience the peace of God, then I need to live in relationship with the God of peace. Now, I want to remind us of that question that I asked way back at the beginning. You've probably forgotten it, but here's the question. I said, how do I join God in building a wall of peace to guard against anxiety? Notice that it's, it's not how do I build a wall, but how do I join God in building a wall of peace? Right? That's so important because one of, the, one of the quickest ways in our lives to actually generate anxiety is for us to get a checklist of things that we think we have to follow in order to have peace. Right? Just just pray, ponder, and practice, right? Pray, ponder, practice. Pray, ponder, practice. Just do that. But at the end of the day, if I'm praying and I'm pondering and I'm practicing in separation from God instead of in collaboration with God, then I will never find the peace that is promised by God. At, at the core, this is about cultivating a relationship with the God of peace, and we cultivate a relationship by, by, well, by talking to him, right? And, and, by, and by thinking about him and by doing the things that he loves to do. And in all of this, we join the work that he is already doing in our lives. And then that, that God of peace will actually use you in the defeat and defense against Satan and anxiety, Here's the way Paul puts it in Romans 16. Listen, I love this verse. He says, the God of peace, so the same God, the God of peace, will soon crush Satan under your feet. You see how that works? We've joined God in the defeat of Satan. We, we join God in the defense against anxiety with God. We build a wall of peace to defend against anxiety in our lives. With God, we crush Satan and his work in our lives. Now, I know that there are a lot of reasons to be anxious these days. There always is. There always is. But we can begin to build a wall of peace to defend us against those attacks by praying to God and pondering the things of God and, and practicing the ways of God. And when we do, we're promised the peace of God. Let's pray. God, we, we confess that we, we need you. Lord, it is, it is easy for us to just get overwhelmed with all the things that are going on in the world, all the things that are going on in, in our lives. God, we do not live in a peaceful world world. 
but we know. We know that your kingdom is a kingdom of peace. You are the God of peace. Your son, Jesus, is the, is the prince of peace. The spirit of God that indwells us is the spirit of peace. And yet, yet our experience so often is one of, one of fear, one of anxiety. And so, Lord, the answer is simply that we need more of you. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would, Lord, that you would help us to experience more of who you are. Lord, that you would help us to know you more fully, to, to know you more deeply. Lord, fill us with your peace. Show us more of who you are and help us to fix our hearts and our minds on you. Lord, help us to love as you love. Lord, we pray that we would know your peace this day and every day. In Christ's name. Thank mm-hmm. you.